are still very loyal listeners. Welcome back to Cine Matters. It's been a month, a month and a half or something. I think six weeks at least, yeah. It's, it's been a little while. It is very nice to be back on air recording this podcast. My name is Ella Kemp. I'm Dan Serene. And once again, we are coming from and to a cinema near you. We're a film podcast here every two weeks, taking care of your next night out. We pick a film currently in cinemas and chat about why we think people should go and see it. Dan, how have you been? (laughs) What is new? Not much, really. We're back at the cinema. We had some time away. We are indeed. And outside of the cinema, Dan, have you watched anything that you could recommend? I have indeed. We went to see 2001 A Space Odyssey at the Prince Charles Cinema. It's a fantastic film. I can't... I, I don't think we can disagree about that. It's something. It's it's a whole lot of something. Okay, we can disagree about it. <laughs> no, it's great. It's very intense and there was a lot of hype from the entire world yeah. and from Dan. So I have a recommendation for a film that comes out this week on Netflix. It's called The Kindergarten Teacher and I saw it in Toronto, which was very, very good. And it stars Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is fantastic as the titular kindergarten teacher who develops a relationship with one of her students. Not the kind of relationship you'd think, (laughs) but it is a very good watch. And it's playing at London Film Festival this week, so if you get a chance to go and see it, go and see it. But for now, outside of London Film Festival, outside of Netflix, what in the world are we talking about today, Dan? We're talking about A Star Is Born. You might have heard of it once, twice or four times by this point. (laughs) This version is co-written, directed, produced and stars Bradley Cooper. Who also helped write some of the songs. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) He plays Jackson Maine, who is an alcoholic country singer. Quite literally stumbles into a bar to have his meet cute with... Ali, played by Lady Gaga, and she is a, an up-and-coming singer, wannabe famous person. As he kickstarts her career and her rise to stardom, their relationship faces troubles from his alcoholism and demons from his past and threaten to reduce what they have to nothing. It's a really great love story. And speaking <laughs> of love, in terms of people coming to watch it at the cinema, it's been pretty busy, hasn't Oh, it's it? been so busy. Which is nice because it's been really quiet for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So the film opened <clears> on Wednesday, so we've been seeing people coming in, in and out for under a week, and mm-hmm. already it's been huge. It picked up a lot on Friday night, mm-hmm. and it's been sold out all weekend. Yeah, which is great. I tried to talk to people about it throughout the week, just to see whether people were coming to see it, because I feel like among the world of film critics and film people on the internet. Everyone's been looking forward to this a lot, whether they're just curious or really passionate about the film or whichever. But it's interesting talking to people in the cinema because some people hadn't heard of this film at all. Other people were adamant they weren't going to come and see it because they don't like Lady Gaga or Mm. don't really know who she is. Or or, or they think it's a musical and they don't like musicals. Right. Or they've seen the 1976 version, (laughs) which is the third version of the film in itself. (laughs) But the people I spoke to tend to know that as the only version. And they would say, well, Lady Gaga can't be Barbara Streisand. I was like, okay, well, yeah, fair, she's not. So on that basis, they're not into it. But everyone else, really into it. Yeah, really into it. And there's no reason not to be. While you've been working this weekend, Dan, have you seen many people crying on their way out? Yeah, I saw a few people crying. Not as many as I expected. From the posters and the whole marketing around it, I don't think it looks as sad as it is. No, it wants to be there. It wants to be that gut punch, I think. Yeah. So now that we've established that people are crying and people are seeing this film, unless they like Barbra Streisand too much to care... (laughs) 
What did you think of this film, Dan? I had a fantastic time watching it. I went to the first screening that we played on Wednesday morning. There were maybe six other people in there. I was sat two rows in front of everyone else, having a great time. Which is quite surprising for you. It is. I really expected to hate this film. I don't like remakes. I'm a fan of Lady Gaga's music, but I don't like it when... Hollywood casts a singer to be like a celebrity name right. attached to a project. Mm-hmm. Having seen the film, that's that's obviously not what they were doing. Right. I, I really can't find many excuses not to like this film. Okay. I, I had a great time that's watching interesting. it. It's interesting about the casting of Lady Gaga because, yeah. as you said, this film's been out for a week, but I feel like it's been out for six months and it's still going to be talked about for another six months. Because it premiered in Venice at the end of August, there have been journalists writing mm. about it for that mm. amount of time and it's just all been building up to this week so I've read a lot about this film. (laughs) Well you saw it a long time ago as well. Yes well yeah I saw it in Toronto and it's very interesting watching Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper talk about it. Oh really? I saw uh, I saw a supercut today of every time that she's been at an event and she's been talking about how much Bradley Cooper believes in her and she has this very specific turn of phrase where she says you know you can be in a room with a hundred people and 99 cannot believe Mm. in you. All you need is one and he believed in me and when you and I watched it a while ago at one event that she did and I thought oh that's really lovely mm. and today I saw a mashup of 10 15 events I thought oh okay well, the point still stands yeah it very much seems to be this confidence between the two of them as well as it being what it is now which is this huge Hollywood production I think you can really feel how much they connect just one-on-one as well which comes from the acting yeah it would be a surprise to learn off camera that they weren't friends or anything considering their performances which i think is something that is lacking in the 76 version now (laughs) dan and i have done our homework deliberately we've shared the task of watching the other versions of a star is born quite fairly shared i watched two of them and you watched one of them sorry you watched you watched two of them and they were both good I watched one of them, which, in my humble, lowly opinion of someone who likes romance in films and someone who likes musicals in films, none of those things were good in the 76 version. So where Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, I thought from start to finish, were completely convincing and quite heartbreaking, Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson are not... They're really not. And I think it's a great shame. And I think it gives a film a different meaning in the sense that... So the story's pretty much the same. They're within the music industry as well. But instead of it feeling like a love story which is kind of tinted with fame and Mm. stardom and all of the vices that come with Mm. it, the 76 version feels like a battle between two stars who just happen to kind of end up being Mm. in a relationship. They might be in love, but it's more like they meet and the balance kind of shifts but it's always like them fighting for the limelight. When one of them declines, it seems to always be in favour of the other person's career, and that seems to be what comes out on top. And I feel like their chemistry was very much like, you know at the start of a romance where they have to pretend they don't like each other, and it has to be at each other's throats and really like, oh, there's this really fiery connection between the two of them which must turn into love. It felt like that throughout, in the sense that there was always this kind of animosity between the two of them, and it never mellowed into this really believable mm. romance. Yeah, so that's something that's done really well in this film the mm. the pure romance yeah. that they matter to each other mm. more than anything else absolutely and then there's a lot of jealousy on Bradley Cooper's part I yeah. think it always comes back to them being in love and their mm. relationship 
it's really well handled yeah and in terms of that pureness of that love i think it's slightly missing from the two versions i watched as well in the james mason and julie garland one they're obviously very much in love oh also the other thing is that they're not singers Mm -hmm. in those ones they're um hollywood actors Mm -hmm. in both and it's very much centered on like the rise and fall of stars in old hollywood which isn't something that's so much relevant today i don't think as it was at the time there was contracts and studios dropping actors based on who was popular Mm. and stuff so it, it is more of a competition and that affects their love story in a sense it's just not as pure and as believable in those old hollywood films as it is today mm. i think it comes in the way that the 2018 version is directed as well yeah so i've now seen this film twice i've seen it twice because i think the first time that i saw it i was kind of well i was very skeptical about the premise the actors all of it and i think even at the start i was thinking why am i watching bradley hangover cooper <laughs> try and charm you know lady i'm now Joanne, I'm five foot two, but also I was bad romance and I was just the most amazing person in the world. Gaga. Like it was, yeah. I don't know, I thought it was strange. But when I watched it the second time, knowing what was going to happen and knowing how it would develop, I was on board from the start and I thought it was brilliant. And I think what makes their love story really believable is the way that the film's directed. There's a lot of details in their acting and reacting to each other which make it feel really authentic and just they almost mirror what the audience's reactions would be at some points Mm. like I'm thinking of when they're sat in the car park when she starts singing Shallow and she sings the first notes of the chorus a cappella. Jackson he kind of just chuckles to himself and he goes oh shit and you can kind of see him realising oh my god this is so much more than I thought and I feel like that's a reaction that I kind of had as well Mm. and you don't usually get that like though that kind of reacting in that way those kind of little remarks and then she does that later as well like at the end of the film when he's singing i'll never love again mm. when he sings those words she just kind of laugh cries and touches his hair and on the version of it on spotify that's kept in as well and i feel like usually they just kind of let each other do their impressive thing and then react yeah. in their own impressive way yeah yeah i think you can tell that it's directed by somebody who appreciates acting mm. in that way yeah and bradley cooper is a fantastic actor drunken country star is it's not like a new concept especially an award-winning performance concept either yeah we've had joaquin phoenix playing johnny cash in walk the line which is a fantastic love story as well as the real life of a country artist and he struggled with alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. and then in 2009 jeff bridges did crazy heart which he won an oscar for and that was the same drunken country Mm. star and i haven't seen it but i'm pretty sure that tender mercies is a similar concept and Mm -hmm. that's robert duvall from the 80s so this isn't something brand new it's not something brand new but in the 1976 version john norman howard who becomes bradley cooper's jackson maine isn't as similar to jackson maine as i thought he would be in the sense that you see him taking drugs and you see him having a drink every now and then but ultimately what ends up happening to him he goes a different way at the end the way that he deals with drugs and alcohol is kind of just part of who he is as opposed to being framed like a disease which i think it's done very quite well and tastefully Mm. um with bradley cooper's performance so if we're looking at the star is born chronology it actually is brand new yeah Yeah. which i didn't expect it to be but you're right it's not a new thing but then again it is a great performance it's a really great performance yeah and his voice is so low. It's so low. It's I don't so know how we, I can't even go that I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I, can't I mean I mean I mean same. Like I really <laughs> can't do that. The conversations with him and Sam Elliott and you're like, 
Sorry, repeat that. And then obviously the line where he's saying, oh, I didn't want to steal dad's voice. I wanted to steal yours. We thought, I mean, fair. Yeah, this is why it's Sam Elliott. Like, everything makes sense. (laughs) I don't have many negative points about this film, but I have a negative point, which is that this film does lack subtlety in terms of the dialogue. And I think in terms of the way that some people are framed, it's never ambiguous what you're meant to feel. It doesn't feel condescending, though. It's not condescending, but it's like there are some huge foreshadowing moments that I think. Yeah, yeah. Did you need to put that there? <laughs> yeah, it's not the most subtle at all times. I think that's what makes it quite easy to love as well because it's so obvious who cares about each other and mm. how much they do and how sad everyone is and a lot of the lyrics are very literal mm. as well. I think it comes back to the point about Bradley Cooper as a director. He's so... not trying to change the game. No, no, not at all. And I respect him for that. Mm. He's not doing something pretentious. And I think I think this is why this film is gonna do so well mm. because well, I think it taps into a lot of different audiences, which which we've seen just with people coming in just this week. You've got all of Lady Gaga's fan base, which is insane. They're so on it because they're so young. Well, they start so young and they're so into everything that she does, so they are gonna worship this film. Then you've got Bradley Cooper's fan base, who I am their leader, pretty apparently. big. <laughs> so you've got two really big names. Mm-hmm. Then you've got everyone who loves musicals. Well, don't get Sam Elliott's fans. <laughs> Sorry. Die hard Sam Elliott You've fans. also got all of the Sam Elliott stands who are <laughs> going to be there to the end. Then you've got everyone who loves a good musical. Yeah. Everyone who loves a good love story. Then you've got anyone who has seen any version of this previous film, mm. which a lot of different people have seen a lot of different versions for a lot of different reasons. So I think it's really interesting. And then I think that once people do start seeing it, it's going to be like The Greatest Showman. And it's going to pick up because then people who might not want to see it would be people who didn't like one of the previous versions, who don't really care for Lady Gaga or don't know them, or who are too proud of Barbra Streisand. But But they've heard enough to give it a chance. Right. And then as and when it gets nominated for everything... (laughs) It's going to be that. We're going to be showing this film well into February. Well, yes, because it's at the end of March. Yeah. So It'll depending on back. what happens. It might leave and come back. So The one thing I hope is that we don't get a sing-along version. Oh my God, we're so going to get a sing-along why? version. Why? Because the that? soundtrack has been out for three days. What, two and a half days. And I'm proud to say I already know <laughs> three quarters of all of the lyrics. Okay. And I will probably listen to it another two or three times today on the soundtrack does it have just the good songs or does oh, it's it have got all of those them. bad songs as well um which bad songs are you referring <laughs> to dan okay there are moments where in a sort of heavy-handed way the script decides to make lady gaga's character a bit more poppy and maybe maybe less country i think this film hates pop music it, oh it so does the pop song that lady gaga does is dreadful it really annoys me because it so easily could have been less than dreadful and the point would have still worked the narrative would have still worked it it would have worked that it was bradley cooper what he's saying about truth and in songwriting yeah still would have made sense that way they didn't need to make it that bad they didn't and i i think because lady gaga is so she's such a good performer and a good singer and now we can see such a good actor that making her sing a song with lyrics that i don't want to hear again i just don't want to hear any of the lyrics she sings ever again it just feels like a waste it is a waste it feels like a waste because the i think the music is really good throughout the film Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's necessary to demonize it any 
part of music it, to it, still it get. It seems like they're trying to alienate a certain fan base for no reason. Which, when you consider Lady Gaga's yes, career base, and her yeah. fans, is really stupid. But I think we should say at this point that Lady Gaga's music is way better. Oh, than of course, that song yeah. No, it's, def- it's definitely better <laughs> than that. Yeah, there's a trend across films to paint country music as really cool, really, really cool, and the one that has the most pain within mm, it and mm. it's the one that's best suited to romance that doesn't necessarily end well but gosh don't you feel it all <laughs> while doing it and like yeah you, you never get I think well I haven't seen a love story that I've loved that has been scored with pop music I will endeavour to find one but like even even something like The Greatest Showman it's not pop music in the same way that the songs that Lady Gaga sings in A Star Is Born are pop music it's like musical theater you know narrative type things mm. i like pop music and i wish this film did too <laughs> but um, the the country songs are fantastic yeah really a- lovely apart from shallow which you've probably heard if, you, if you've seen the trailer you might have heard um, of this once or twice anywhere <laughs> in the world it, that that is fantastic yeah. and if it doesn't win best original song this year then something is wrong i would eat my hat and jackson mains hat <laughs> Do you think any other songs will be up for the awards? Yes. I think the final song definitely will be. The final song being I'll Never Love Again. The one that Jackson writes at some point throughout the film. And Lady Gaga sings it at right. the end. She sings it at the end when she introduces herself as Ali Main. Mm. Which is something that I believe they they also do in the 1930s. She announces herself as Mrs Norman May sure. at the end. And it does that in the Judy Garland version as well. Mm. In the 1976 version... Barbara Streisand does not do that. <laughs> I think I think it's rather telling of the film and the huge egos involved. Yeah, with that film. So her name is Esther Hoffman. From the moment they get married, she takes his name, but she becomes Esther Hoffman Howard. So you know she keeps her name and his. Cool, great. But the thing that is in three versions of this film, which is at the end, the woman introduces herself with the man's last name. Mm. Barbara Streisand just doesn't do that. She just sings what she wants. She just does what she wants at the end. And also the final song that she sings, it's kind of hilarious how different the emotional stakes are. (laughs) In that, so about halfway throughout the film, John Norman writes a song called Just Wanna Take Another Look At You. That's something that's in all the films as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe the single greatest meme of this year (laughs) is a line that's in all of the versions of this film. But in the 76 version, he literally sings a song about it, which it's funny with, it probably wasn't funny then, but it's funny with hindsight. And that's a song that she sings at the end. I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a different emotional weight to just want to take another look at you and I will never love again. <laughs> but I think that one will be nominated for sure. Hope so. I think if it does, it would be similar to when La La Land had City of Stars and, and the audition. audition. Song, yeah. yeah. I really like the song that starts the credits and I think it's really manipulative in a way that I love because I'll Never Love Again is a very sad song. It's a very, it's a big Whitney Houston moment. She, Lady Gaga is sensational. And then she looks to camera at the end and you think, fine, let mm-hmm. me give you all of my love and awards and everything. And that ends and you think, right, that was a sad film. And the credits come up and the piano comes in and Lady Gaga starts singing again and she sings a song called Is That Alright? which doesn't play in the film whereas other songs in the credits do play in the film 
and it's so sad and it's just it's very humble and it's very clever to put so many sad songs on mm. after the other to kind of if someone was close to crying at the end over, over the, the credits <laughs> you'll just think about the whole film what you've just seen yeah. while listening to her saying is that all right and you'll think oh god no it's not all right <laughs> and yeah i love that i think it's fantastic yes uh, i don't think we can argue that the end is emotionally overwhelming but there are points within the film where not everything is so well done in that sense sure. i think the opening is absolutely fantastic do you think that there is a specific moment where things start to go wrong in the sense of becoming less engaging because I think I know the exact second it does. I think you're going to say when the evil manager comes in. Yes, the second <laughs> that you see him. Now, okay, this is something that I no, only realised the, the second it's time. the second you hear him. Yeah, so I checked. I was I was paying more attention to the time this second time round. And that is, you've got a perfect hour. Oh, is it It's a whole long? hour. It yeah. feels way shorter than I that. know. And this is also what people had been saying to me and I wasn't too sure about it. But yeah, you have a perfect hour. And it's also after she... Ali has just sang a song by herself mm. it's after Ali has sung Always Remember Us This Way on stage by herself and then you just hear this annoying <laughs> voice British voice British voice yeah. which you know that hurts <laughs> it's just silly this is an antagonistic character and Hollywood immediately think oh they must be British if they're evil oh it's just it's, it's a bit weird it's strange because sure it adds something else to it because you think you know something has to go wrong mm. and there has are, to be conflict yeah and think things were going pretty right for both of them but then by the time the film ends the British manager you know he didn't really do anything wrong like he was just he was just doing his job he was just a bit annoying while he was doing it mm. but tragedy occurs bad things happen but he didn't need to be there so much for them to happen and it just adds this like he's a bit of a parasite really mm. his character in the first two films is this he's the studio's like go-to fixer guy right. so he's supposed to like keep the stars in check and sort out any publicity issues that okay. happen. So before the female part becomes a star, he's there on hand to sort of pick up on all of the drunken problems that Norma Maine's causing. So he has a bit of animosity with Norma Maine anyway. Interesting. And that makes more sense. as an, It like, okay. gives him a reason not to like Norma Maine. Okay. So this character <laughs> in the 2018 one, he feels like he's the catalyst for all of the bad directions that Lady Gaga's character goes in yeah. from, from the bad pop songs that we talked about to the questionable dancing that sort of takes over her performances i mean she's good she's a good dancer but it's the opposite of what shallow was or right. where she's sitting up you know doing yeah, elton yeah, john yeah, yeah. at piano doing elton john at a piano <laughs> yes. so sorry uh just to translate dan is referring to always remember us this way <laughs> yes she sits at piano and she sings to a microphone that's elton john cool anyway uh, so my point is that they could have fleshed out this antagonistic character yeah. a bit more sure for what it's worth i I can't actually remember seeing a character like that in the 76 version. The only manager type person that I recall, I think he's someone who's better friends with John Norman. At one point, John Norman comes back to the studio where they're relaunching his career. Mm. So there's loads of musicians recording music for him. And his manager, producer, friend person just kind of force feeds him a couple of keys of drugs in a very healthy friendship type way. Mm. Yeah, make of that what you will. But yeah, but different 2018 evil, scary British yeah. man who's just, he, he's not very nice to Jackson. Like just when Jackson is declining, mm. he gives a really scathing, nasty little speech, mm. which 
he's going through enough as it is, you know? <laughs> On the uneven pace of the film, weirdly, the pace picks up the second after the worst thing yeah, could no, happen I think, to Jackson. I think, yeah. So at the award ceremony, I think that's the moment that it picks back up and it's a really sensational mm-hmm, ending. Mm-hmm. And that's where Bradley Cooper's acting is really showing. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He gets better as... Mm-hmm. Jackson Maine gets worse. For sure. At this moment, having not seen many of the films that I think will go on to pick up awards, I would back both of them for acting roles. Yeah, Bradley Cooper is not messing around with <laughs> this film. He has got an incredible team yeah. and he has done amazing work mm. and I'm excited to see what happens with this film. I think this film is going to do very well during awards season, up until awards season, at the cinema, whenever it goes to Netflix, everywhere else. People are going to watch it on planes and they're going to love it. I think people are going to watch it on planes because <laughs> the films that people watch on planes are the ones that they missed in the awards season. Yeah. And they feel like they have oh, they to totally see. do. The runtime's fairly long. Long enough for a plane. You can fly to Europe and watch this and have time for a half an hour nap. There <laughs> cool. you go. That's selling it. Heard it here first. <laughs> we have to come up with a way to evaluate this film linearly. So this week we've chosen to ask how many times would you punch a off-duty policeman in a bar to see this film again. Interesting. So, off-duty policemen, in A Star Is Born at least, are really annoying. Yeah. And they deserve to be punched. <laughs> only, only only, briefly, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to leave a noticeable bruise, but if I had to, I'd punch him four times. <laughs> You'd punch the same one four times? <laughs> you wouldn't punch four different policemen? No, I don't believe that they're all bad. I don't <laughs> believe. I don't believe that the notion of an off-duty police officer is a demon in the same sense sure. that the one in this film mm. definitely not a nice man. Not a nice man. So yeah, so probably the same one four times. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not that strong physically. Um, probably wouldn't hurt him that much. He might not notice. I'd probably need to punch him four times yeah. really to make. Could it you hurt. reach his face even? Look, the stools are very high <laughs> in these bars, and <laughs> if you got a jump in, you might be able to launch one look if Jackson Maine needed me to punch an off-duty police officer <laughs> I'd punch an off-duty police officer four times as would I in fact there you go I'd, I'd do a better job of it than you sorry well. hmm interesting it's good that we agree though four times that's how many times you should punch a policeman in a bar to see this film only if he's off-duty and only if he deserves it yeah but Obviously. also, you should just go and see A Star Is Born anyway. So now that we've covered that big release, Dan, what else do we have coming up? Well, it's really exciting. This is officially the start of awards season for me, I at do? least. Okay, It sure. really is, okay? From now until the end of March, this is when all the good films are coming out. And that's great because it hasn't been the best year. So... This Friday, we have First Man, the new Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling film about Neil Armstrong, which I'm really excited for. You've already seen it. Very good. I would recommend. I'm looking forward to talking about it. And the same day, Bad Times at the El Royale is coming out, which is written and directed by Drew Goddard, who wrote The Cabin in the Woods. So I'm really excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Later in the month, Bohemian Rhapsody is out. It's going to be big. It's, it's certainly going to be big, whether it will be good or not. We, we shall see. I mean, if there were ever a time to be working at the cinema in which we work, <laughs> it's around Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, big time. Even my mum's going to come and see it. Even Dan's mum. Yeah. So that is everything that we have to look forward to. And gosh, isn't there a lot? Once again, thank you for listening in. We will now be back regularly. So look forward to awards season with us. <laughs> Enjoy A Star Is Born and we will speak to you soon. Thank you.